how to work it all out after you know you've messed it up royally. Next on Truth For Today. Shame and embarrassment, more often than not, keep us from fixing and righting the wrongs that we've committed. What do you do when you've been wrong? Well, that's a good question, and here in Psalm 51, we have some very good answers. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We continue our series on the life of David today, taking a look at his response to the wrong he's committed with Bathsheba and her husband. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast. Now let's just see what happens to a man in a cover-up about sin. I mean, David's got Joab doing what he said. We've got, we've moved in Bathsheba. Everything is hunky-dory. The palace is doing great. She's already mourned her husband. Let's go on. I got an additional woman. The cover-up is a complete success. But for 12 months, he shuts down towards God because Nathan tracks him down for God. And he begins to tell you what was going on in him. Listen, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. And Paul brings it over to Romans 4, 6. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. I felt like I was out in a blazing hot day. I had no strength. I felt depressed. And when I get depressed, I don't have any strength. I want to sleep. David said, I'm a depressed man because God's hand is heavy on me. I'm losing physical energy. I feel like my bone structure, the frame of my body is just going wacko. There's something in my bones. We call it arthritis. He said, no, it's sin. My bones are, the frame of my being is being shaken by the silence about my sin. Then I acknowledge my sin to you. Then I acknowledge it and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Notice chapter 38, Psalms 38. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down upon me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my mother. Oh, because of my environment. Because my prescription ran out. Because my therapist can't get me well. Why are you in this condition? Because of my sin. You'd fire a doctor if you went to him and said, I feel miserable. And he said, you know why? You're in sin. You don't need a placebo. You don't need Valium. You don't need a, a toned down margarita. You need to get out of sin. Sin's fun. It offers pleasure at the beginning. This is the testimony of the psalmist. When I was silent about my sin, psychosomatically, I started falling apart. 
My, it's like my body's falling apart. I feel this heavy hand on me. We call it depression. It was God just saying, boy, you are puffed up. I'm going to put my hand on you. Do you feel it, David? Do you feel it? I am pressed down. Who's doing this? Not Joab. Not Nathan. The hand of God is on this man in his cover-up. He's miserable. My wounds fester. Well, look at four. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. Have you ever been in the cover-up and you felt like every bone in you was yelling, you're guilty? Why don't you get right? Nobody even knows. There's another passage in the New Testament. I'll just quote it to you. For godly sorrow, sorrow that God produces, produces repentance not to be regretted of that leads to deliverance. But earthly sorrow only leads to regret, no deliverance. Godly sorrow, what is that? The word for sorrow is the same word that makes the spirit grieve when the child of God sins and does not deal with it, but they stuff it and they start covering it up, suppressing it. God begins to work godly sorrow in you. Oh, moodiness, uh, anger, irritability, uh, just pretty soon, you know, something's wrong, something's wrong. I, I, yeah, something's wrong. Well, what's going on? God is taking away joy, peace. He's not moving out. At this stage, you want him to. But he says, I'm going to stay here and make you miserable. Because your sin is against a jilted God, a loving God, a God that wanted a wife in Israel and Christ who wants a bride church. And you're sleeping with sin and you don't want me to be bothered by it. I'm in covenant love with you. And it's as bad as adultery with God. I keep my vows with you. You have crushed my heart and I'm going to crush yours to feel the pain I'm feeling. God simply transfers his pain about your sin to you and you start feeling overwhelmed. Your body, you can't pull it off. We just cave in. Now, if you're unsaved, you just have earthly sorrow. And you can go to Antler's Bar and order some Jack Daniels or a toned down something and shed tears that your woman left you or that you're having an earthly sorrow. It's the best you might be able to do. Maybe you need some drugs. Maybe you need another woman. You see, the unsaved have got to do something for relief too. The saved can only find it one place. There's no drink, no woman, no hobby. You may run and run and suppress and suppress, but nothing, not nothing can heal you. Jeremiah said the false prophets say to you, peace, peace, when there is no peace. They tell you to take remedies that don't work to heal the sins of the daughter of my people. He said, there's only a cure in your living God. That's what we're saying. David stuffed when he should not have. Do not go silent. When you're guilty, 
Don't try to hide it. We learned it from Adam and Eve. As soon as they sinned, who taught them to hide? Who taught them to start sowing fig leaves? I mean, is it not a pitiful scene that in the cool of the day, God shows up and you see this scared couple running like rabbits, hiding in bushes with these crazy kind of cloth. What did you make out of a fig leaf? And standing before God of whom we are all naked, there with a little bit of covering to cover their nakedness. Where art thou, Adam? I'm running like a scared animal. I'm ashamed. I'm guilty. Sin didn't even give me pleasure for a day by the time guilt showed up. And so the race is in hiding. The race is on the run. The race is trying to cover up their shame with anything they can get their hands on. So when you're wrong, share it with God. Don't stuff it. You see, secret sin here below is open scandal in heaven. Secret sin here is open scandal in heaven. You can't hide it from God anyway, can you? That's why you've got to be careful who you pick for your God. Get one that can't see so much. But if you get this one, he sees everything. Two, uh... When you're wrong, appeal to God's gracious character, not to your merit. Listen to what he says. Have mercy on me, O God. Suspend the judgment I have coming. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. And this is a visceral word. This is a, right from his gut, as it were. You've got mercy, you've got hesed love, but in the deep seed of your emotions, please blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You must know that we never merit the forgiveness we need. We never merit it or else God couldn't be gracious. And so you come to God saying, God, you've already tipped your hand in scripture. You said back in Exodus, I am full of compassion and love. I am willing to forgive. But is it not cruel to ask your wife, would you forgive me if I did such and such a thing against you? And she said, oh, my love is so great, I would. Then you use that loyal kind of commitment to forgiveness, say, well, then I'm going to do it. Would not her love rather disarm you and say, if you love me that much, I would never want to sin against a woman that loves me that much. Instead of going into marriage, you better never do this one. You better never do that one. You hear this a lot. Well, I'll stay with it if they never do that. If they never do that, God never said that. He just said, oh, I am a covenant-keeping God. I am a, an amazing grace, God. There is no sin you can commit that my love isn't big enough to forgive. Now, do you want to use that kind of love as your excuse to sin against him? No. May we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But he's told them, so David knows, he knows this God is gracious. And so he doesn't start coughing up his merit. And I am a pretty good boy. You know, I, I, I killed a giant for you. No, the old songwriter captured it. Could my tears forever flow? These for sin could not atone. 
Thou must save and thou alone, O Lamb of God, I come. There's nothing. You see, some religions flagellate the body. They cut the body and they go through all forms of penance and I'll do this and I'll give up this for Lent and we get God in some obligation. God's not, you can't do anything when you're wrong to obligate him. If it's not in his character, you're hopeless because we can never merit the forgiveness we really need. It's only by appealing to his character, not to ours. Well, he goes on, when you are wrong, confess your sin. And uh, I'll show you what we mean here. Confess your sin. Look what he says. Uh, blot out my transgressions. Do you ever call your sins transgressions? Well, you may not know what the word means. Uh, uh, wash away my iniquity. What is iniquity? What is sin? Uh, I know my transgressions. I know my sin is always before you. Against you, you only have I sinned. And I've done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. By the way, Lord, my problem began at birth. I was a sinner from birth. I was a sinner before I sinned. I was a sinner from the time my mother conceived me. The Roman Catholics and Augustine call this original sin. And they're absolutely right. It is original sin. We have sinned in Adam. Our parents pass on a sin nature. As soon as your baby was conceived, another sinner came into existence. And you give them enough time, they're going to throw a fit. They're going to be naughty. And they're going to prove they're a sinner. And don't get mad at them. It's your fault. You pass on what you are. And it goes all the way back to Adam. It's called original sin passed on through procreation. You know, there's, there's another theological question. Where do you become a sinner? When you commit your first sin? No, the moment you were conceived. Sex wasn't the sin. The conception brings about a male and female counterpart that creates a being that at the root of their nature is a sinful bent away from God. You need to start praying for your baby women the moment you know you've got a pregnancy. You can't start praying too soon. That's where our problem starts. He didn't start blaming his problem on where he's raised or on his mother. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Three words. I've transgressed. What does it mean to transgress? That one's easy. It means to step over a boundary. And uh, I, I just... We all, all of us parents don't do it. The rule is nice. What is it in a sinner that wants to do it? Don't do that. And, and then, and do we as sinners automatically say, good, I was waiting for someone to tell me what not to do. <laughs> no, there is that in us that uh, if we had this place packed with little kids or even you adults, if I was serious enough about it and said, by the way, and if I use an imperative voice and a command, if I just spoke to you this way, by the way, as pastor, I'm telling you, do not touch this plant. <laughs> what would your response be? What's going on in your mind? You say, who do you, who you think you're telling not to touch that plant? <laughs> I will. And if we dismissed it and put up cameras, we'd find 20 of you crawling up here. <laughs> and you would touch that plant. Where did you get that? 
That's called sin. Trans I, it doesn't have to be wrong. If you tell me I can't, I will. David said, I'm a transgressor. Then he said, I deliver me from iniquity. And iniquity means to err and incur guilt. And guilt is penalty. I'm liable to penalty. I've done that which deserves to be punished. But I want to do it anyway. And he said, Lord, I know I've been wrong. I know it's wrong to kill. I know it's wrong to commit adultery. But I am liable to penalty. My sin says, I want what I want so bad that I'll bear a penalty to get it. And now when the penalty is ready to strike, I'm asking you drop the penalty. And then sin. The word sin here is the word to miss the mark. It was used of a, a man shooting an arrow. And so it could be used of human weakness. But the idea is I'm not even trying to hit the mark. God wants me to go here and I'm shooting here, there. Saying, did you hit the mark? No, I don't want to hit the mark. I told you that way. I don't care. I want to go my way. We sinners, uh, how we learn not to uh, learn what God wants us to learn. I think of my brother Paul when he was uh, in the scouts. Uh, they had to do knots. And my dad made a, a knot board with all the a sheep shank and a bowling and all these different. And my dad was a rigger. He knew all kinds of knots. And so Paul had to pass this test doing these knots to go up in the scouts. And they went through it and went through it. And Paul never could get it. So my dad, uh, being a, a father of several, he just, uh, in our house, you wouldn't do this, but he just took off his belt and he just put it there on the table and said, we're going to go through this one more time. And you're going to learn those knots. Because I perceive you're not learning as quick as you could. He got it the next time. <laughs> Instant learner. Just, just. And here David is. He's not wanting to learn because when you want to do your own thing, you don't have to listen to God's divine instructions. And so he's telling him, confess your sins. Now, 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a marvelous verse, and it's said for believers that just because you get saved, it doesn't mean you won't sin. Now, you'll sin less, but you won't become sinless. Okay? Uh, if you, now, there's some things you change immediately. If you've been robbing banks, that ought to change immediately. <laughs> if you've been killing people, there's some changes that are just boom. Other things are lifelong learning, right? Learning to love people. But... I grew up that if you sinned after you got saved, you thought you had lost your salvation or, and that you had to start over again. And, and you'd hear the saints say, well, they didn't hit the rock this time. Well, hitting the rock was, I guess, getting saved, so saved you didn't want to sin ever again. But I never got that saved. And so after about five months of being a Christian, I backslid. I just quit. I said, I can't live this way because nobody ever showed me 1 John 1, 9. I didn't know that all I had to do was confess it. He'd cleanse me from it and try again. But I didn't have to start all over again. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so well, I've got to wait for another revival to come around so I'll get saved this time. And you, I'd see young people in the youth group getting saved for the fifth time, sixth time. Say, so, well, when do you get saved? No, here's the verse. 
When you get saved, I write this to you little children that you not even sin one time, but if you do, you have an advocate before the Father pleading the work of the cross on behalf of you. You'll stay saved even in the middle of your sin. I grew up with this theology. What if you committed a sin on the way home from church? Let's say you got in a spat with a wife and you, you sinned some way and you had a car accident. Where would you go? And boy, would you say, ooh, I'd be lost. Did any of you grow up that way? Sure. Good. Welcome. The rest of you are dishonest. But we grew up, because we felt like we used to sing a song, sin shall never enter there. Oh, man. Sin shall never enter. Oh, let's see. Uh, good. Will I? And so church folks learn to lie a lot. They learn to deny. I made a mistake. No, you didn't make a mistake. You sinned. No, I can't call it sin, because if I sinned, I'd be backslid. And if I was backslid, and he came, I'd miss it, and... I was teaching this to a bunch of pastors one time, holiness preachers. And when I said that when I sin, my advocate steps up for me. And one old preacher said, that sounds like you'd still be saved. I said, you got it. Well, you ain't going to be teaching that here for long. And I'm not in that circle. That's what cooked my goose. Because when you sin, Christ pleads the work of the cross to his Father. Did I not pay for that sin? We don't have to undo the salvation covenant. They're still intact. Not because you're getting off with it. Okay, now we come back. How can God maintain his character and save someone like you without character? Whoever that you might be. It's he has paid for the wrong in you so overwhelmingly in the death of his son, he is free to give you something you never earned on the merits of his son's death. His son's death has satisfied the payment of the debt regarding your sin. It's been paid in full. This is our good news gospel. It's how sinners can be right with God. And so here David is, confess your sin, admit it. Now, let me say this about sin. Uh, since so many people don't know how to define it, I learned this in marriage. I taught something like this once before. Confess it, and it, it means to name the sin in 1 John 1, 9. Hamalageo, I kind of like the word. Name it, say the same thing about it God says. Now, when you start doing that with your sin, here's David says, God, I've transgressed. God, I've missed the mark. Uh, God, I'm dirty. God, I've despised your spirit. God, I've been wicked from my conception. I, you don't hear saints talk that way. You hear them say, God, I'm sorry. Next. You're sorry? About what? God didn't say, say you're sorry. He says, name it. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Thank you for joining us today. It's our prayer that our time together here on Truth For Today encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. 
As we close out our broadcast, we would also like to invite you to contact us if you have a question about the broadcast, a prayer request. Maybe you'd like to order a copy of today's broadcast. We do have them available. Simply contact us and let us know of your interest. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You are also welcome to write to us. Our address is 1511M Sycamore Avenue. We're here at Suite 278, Hercules, California. Zip code is 94547. Now, another way to contact us and learn more about us would be to visit our website, valleybible.org. It's there that we have all kinds of information about who we are, what we believe, directions to the church, service times. And we also have a lot of resource material stored there as well. Simply go to valleybible.org and spend some time exploring our website, finding out about us a bit more. If you would like to become a TFT sustainer, we would love to hear from you. This broadcast is aired daily here on KFAX as we are able to partner with you, our listeners, financially. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a -a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. Our weekly video devotional is available to you as well. And again, it's all as a TFT sustainer. When you contact us with your gift of any amount, we'll sign you up. 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org or you can write to us at 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, and the zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.